You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Each week, Chris and Mario welcome current NFL stars and discuss the biggest news from around the football world. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. I'm Chris Horwadell, slightly under the weather as you can hear, joined by Mario Hines. Mario, how are you? I'm good, not under the weather, but I am under the um, infliction of Animal Crossing fever, and I cannot <laughs> stop playing. Proud of you, buddy. Thank Super you, proud of you. I look forward to a prosperous island life for you. Um, and I just, I wish you had oranges. I wish you had oranges or peaches. But, uh, you know, we can't have everything here in the world. Hey, it's um, <laughs> four days until the 2020 NFL Draft kicks off on Thursday the 23rd. We're recording on Sunday this week. This is an exciting time. Uh, you know, Wonderlick scores get, got leaked this past week, and I was interested to get your take on the actual value of Wonderlick scores. When, when you've been, you know, in your long and storied football career, through mm-hmm. you know, college and various professional leagues, how often has the smartest guy on the team been the best guy on the team? <laughs> the smartest guy on the team has rarely been the best guy on the team, uh, as far as academic smarts, uh, even book smarts. But he always seems to be—he's um, either a coach's favorite or the coaches hate to ha- hate to have him around, but never, never get rid of him. So yeah. I think Josh that's Rosen. what the one early test is for. Yeah, it's the Josh Rosen syndrome. Yes, yes. Like, why, Josh, I hate you, but you're right about that. How much value do you put into the Wonderlick? Um, I mean, it's a give and take. I don't think it changes anything to the negative for me, but it will. It would add um, some interest or follow up for what uh why a person scored high and you know what their what their way of thinking is or their learning style is, so that you can really lean on them. And I mean, if you're thinking, I'm. I, I'm actually biased uh, mm. to understand the Wonderlick test as the quarterback test at yeah. this point because, you know, who cares what uh, Chase Young scored on the Wonderlick? Right. Go get quarterback is his job. Right. It's not a lot of complex concepts for Chase Young. It is th- this guy's the quarterback, number number whatever, go get him. Go get him. Exactly. Find, so, find ball, <laughs> Chase. Find ball. <laughs> find ball. Right. You don't even have to call it a ball. Get it. Get it. Chase. Get <laughs> exactly it. right. They might get confused, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't have a, a real worry about guys who don't score particularly high, but I do have some concerns about the guys who get like fives, the uh, the Vince Youngs of the world, and I know that it doesn't directly correlate to football intelligence, but I do worry about a guy like that. Either he's not capable of or not interested in taking the test correctly. Mm. And I wonder what that speaks to his ability of learning an NFL playbook. Right. So I do. The playbook thing is is legitimate because, I mean, conceptually, you have to be able to piece things together uh, on your own. and You have to do it fast. The other thing is, is the fortitude to be in your best position to learn uh, the playbook. So I I, I do. Mm. I'm with you there. Um, as far as I kind of looked at it on from the other side, if you scored a really high, then I'm I'm really making a note to say, okay, this is somebody we can rely on to be True. ready to to put a lot on uh, on their back, mm-hmm. off, uh, not offensively, but scheme wise, <laughs> quickly. But if if it's a negative, it's like I, I almost think you're starting at zero anyways <laughs> for every rookie. So 
That's certainly true. And, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, it'll it's not confirmed. It'll never be confirmed. But Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert, had uh, he was a 4.0 guy at Oregon last year, and he was a biology major. There was a lot of talk coming into the draft that, like, you know, kind of like Jared Allen got it from Texas coming into the NBA draft a couple of years ago. Like, this guy's a little bit little bit of a an academic, a little bit of a nerd, and might not his football might not be the thing that matters most to him. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of rumblings that Justin Herbert's team had him in intention uh, intentionally get questions wrong on the test. Oh my god. Yeah, that's actually hilarious and points to the fact that if he could do it without being caught that he's actually so smart that you know it's it's a thing where you can't even measure how you know how good he is with academics but i mean with with that said like if a guy is too you know nerdy i don't know how much you can actually alienate yourself at the position he's playing like you kind of almost you know just don't be a person that can't be accessible but mm-hmm. if you're like off the wall like if you want to wear no socks with your shoes or if you want to wear go deep <laughs> that's or, that is your standard that's interesting that, <laughs> like you're so <laughs> odd and socially awkward that but other than that i mean you can't. You, I wouldn't be that hard on a quarterback who's so you know Stephen Hawking level that he can't even you, know, you can't even access him. Well, I'm always interested in this because I, my take as an outsider is that I need my quarterback to be an alpha. I need him to be a guy that the rest of the team can rally around. He's that have that big personality. As a guy who has played football, you know, and had had relationships with numerous quarterbacks over certain over various levels. How much does that actually matter to you? How much does the alpha dog quarterback matter in the real world? I th- for, okay, so th- matters, not much. Mm-hmm. Impacts, I can't deny that there is something about a guy that grabs your attention with his personality and demeanor, and it, it just works, um, and then has the work ethic and results to back it up. But there were also instances where I guys that weren't that way uh, found success based on just, you know, being showing up and, and, and being reliable. Um, but it does. It, the reason why this has kept going, Chris, is because there's something to it. It actually mm-hmm. does. You do. You are relieved when when the quarterback is is able to take a hold and command and his personality shines through. Well, because really, it seems like you want the quarterback to be the face of your franchise. And if he is, you know, if he's Justin Herbert or he's Marcus Mariota or someone like that, who is just not particularly built for that, it does seem to have an adverse effect. And I, I'm interested in your take. What about the flip side of what you just said? What about the quarterback who has all the bravado, who has that alpha dog mentality and doesn't back it up on the field? I mean, it's it, the thing that usually comes with that, Chris, is the puppy dog eyes when those moments where they're not backing it up on the field Mm-hmm. comes into play where like oh I'm seeing right through you now yeah and it, it just doubles and heightens in in lack of impact and then too much of it and it's just rubbing you the wrong way and certain guys if you rub them the wrong way enough there's pushback and kickback and that's where you see your you know your spats or locker room turmoil what have you yeah I feel like this might kind of be a uh, in the eye of the beholder type deal I had Jason Bell former NFL player on the underdog a couple of weeks ago. And Jason said, look, I played with Eli Manning, and this is not a rah-rah guy, but what's important is a guy who is composed under pressure. And then I had Ross Tucker, former NFL player, on the show last week, and and Ross kind of uh, you know, threw some jabs, uh, some lighthearted, but jabs nonetheless, at Justin Herbert, 
for not having that personality. So I, I do, I, I suppose it is sort of whatever works for you. Right. No, it, it, it is that way. I think the biggest part is just you can't be, you can't be in the way off the field yeah. or on the field and off the field. So if your personality is quote unquote in the way, and then you're also stopping us from being good and you're in the way on the field, <laughs> it's not going to work out. But if you're not in the way off the field and you're doing well, you know, or even if you're not doing that great, but you're not a, a guy that's that's in your face, you can kind of like try to make excuses for a guy that's not, you know, creating a scene for himself. All right. I've been interested in this. So I wanted to get your take on this as well. And that's the concept of team building. And uh, what is your take? Are you a guy who thinks... Let's build for the long run. Let's set ourselves up for success over a period of X years. Or are you a guy who thinks, okay, we've got a shot. Let's go all in now and try and capitalize. I'm definitely, I'm definitely a capitalize. You know, the momentum. I'm, I'm a big, you know, grew up in the sport with, you know, the football guys don't lie, and I think that goes, mm. that goes with a lot of things. And, and you know, momentum may not be real, but moments. <laughs> are real and you can't re redo certain moments mm-hmm. so i'm big on that yeah i got thinking about this because uh you know game pass has been free for a little while and that annoys me because i pay for it but i was watching i was watching uh some games from a couple of years ago and i i stumbled upon that 2017 jacksonville team a team that was you know they were 10 points up in the fourth quarter of the afc championship game a team with you know, oodles and oodles of young talent that look to be on the precipice of being a factor for a long period of time. And from that 2017 team, all of a sudden, Jalen Ramsey's gone, A.J. Boyer's gone, Clayus Campbell's gone, Dante Fowler's gone, Marcel Darius is gone, Malik Jackson's gone, Blake Bortles is gone, Aaron Colvin's <laughs> gone, Tayshawn Gibson's gone, Barry Church is gone, Yannick Ngakwu wants out, Leonard Fournette's on the trade block, and Telvin Smith walked away from football for, you know, personal reasons. So it feels like it can all change in an instant. In, 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 I mean, here today, gone tomorrow is scary. It's scary how much or how quickly a window can close or how plans change um, and the potential changes. It, it, that's why, guys, I mean, that's why contracts are, honestly are, are, are what they are and players are very hard on it because aside of injury, you just don't know when you're going to have a, a cast that can allow you to be successful again, wins or stats. Yeah, as I mentioned, Leonard Fournette's on the trade block in Jacksonville. Guy who's had a weird career, good, not great rookie year, 10,000. That would be a very solid rookie year. 1,040 yards, nine touchdowns in 13 games as a rookie. Looked like he was going to live up to those draft expectations coming out of LSU. Then he only plays eight games, rushes for 439 yards in 2018. Bounce back year last year, 15 games, 1,152 yards. Only three scores on the ground, uh, and in general, because he didn't have a receiving touchdown either, but did actually catch the ball a decent amount. What what do you think the value is for a guy like Leonard Fournette? I mean, you, you, you think about fit, and, and the great thing about a guy like Leonard Fournette is that he doesn't have to fit. He's going to do yeah. what he does well. Um, obviously, behind a better line, he's going to get you your yardage, but physical runner, um, downhill can show explosion. It's the touchdown thing. If you can create, if you have an offensive scheme that's gonna, you know, make it worth it to have him in the red zone um, and score, um, then then that's what that's the market that he'll have. And I think there's a good ten to twelve teams that are willing to 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 keep that going. I mean, I, not necessarily 
the position they're in now, but a team like the Bears, you know, mm-hmm. the Lions, or teams teams like that, they're like they're gonna take a guy like Fournette. You uh, like Fournette over over Carry On? No, 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 not now. But I think in the position that we could be in, like mm-hmm. the way our offense runs, that we're gonna take we're gonna take a guy that can that can get downhill, even if if you know we don't necessarily quote unquote need the position. That's fair, and we do live in this uh, this shared carries era of running backs. I am shocked. I, I I will admit that I did not realize Leonard Fournette had 76 catches in 2019. Wow. What? Where were we when this was happening? I, I know. <laughs> Prior to that, he had 58 catches over the first two years of his career and apparently caught 76 of 100 targets last year for 522 yards. The most incredible thing, the, the most incredible stat of all of this Caught the ball seventy six times, did not find the end zone. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The three, the three touchdowns is going to make. If he's able to uh, find a home via trade, it's going to make you know his value d- decreased because you you want a guy. If you're taking a running back and you're you're going to give something up for a running back, you you want to know either he's going to play mo- more downs than not, or he's going to score for you. And so like that three touchdowns for his style of play just no go. Thumbs down for me. Right, plus the uh, well, it shows absolutely no elusiveness if you catch the ball seventy six times and don't find the end zone once exactly, by accident. Exactly, exactly. But and there's also concerns, you know, missed three games, missed eight games, missed a game. This is not a guy who's ever been able to stay healthy. Such a shame too, because that sophomore year at LSU, he looked like he was about to be the next super duper duper star running back in the NFL. Right, which leads me to believe, like, what is it? What rubble, uh, running back? archetype prototype is there that you can actually you know hang your hat on with as far as injuries go because the guy is built the way you want a running back to be built and he's not playing NFL games so it's really weird how to how you evaluate you know too small for a running back and things like that yeah you know the best availability I always screw that up I literally screw it up 100% of the time that I say it <laughs> But the best ability is availability in the NFL. You can't you can't produce from the bench, and that's just been the case far too often with Fournette. Plus, he had that little instance where he flipped off the fan in Tennessee. Yeah. Not to, maybe not the highest character guy in the world. So, what do you think the value is for Fournette in a trade? Do you think this is like a four? I was gonna say four five, leaning more towards five. Um, like I said, just because you don't know if people will get along with him or be happy that he, he's there. He's one of those guys, it seems, I don't know him, don't know you, Leonard, but he seems to be one of those guys that relishes in the fact that the more haters you have, the better you're doing in life type of thing. And it's, it's it just seems like that would not be a great fit everywhere, uh, locker room-wise. Yeah, but it looks like two years left on that rookie contract as well. So it's a, it's a big price for a running back given where he was taken and a guy who, like you mentioned, just doesn't score the football. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving up. <clears throat> yeah, fair enough. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Chris. And uh, while there's currently no NBA or NHL or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? Aren't we all? Well, no problem. Bet Online has daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor. It's a season of the champions. Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, or even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. 
And with the NFL Draft right around the corner, there's plenty of NFL Draft props for you to bet on as well. And hey, stick around till the end of the episode and we might have a little something special for you. Visit our good friends and the exclusive partner at Podcast One Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Just visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, Mario, we're back, and uh, let's let's talk NFL draft. We, as I mentioned, four days away, and your Lions continue to uh, exist in the shroud of mystery. We I have mean, no it, idea what they're doing, and uh, shed some light on it for me. What, what no, do you it, think is going to happen? It, the, the temperature here in Michigan, in Detroit specifically, is so – I mean, you've got your whole section of, of – Michi- uh, Detroit fans who are University of Michigan fans who, against their greater judgment, do not want uh, a running back. I mean, a cornerback from uh, the school uh, down oh, south, which I can't even say in reference. Yeah. Okay. And it's like kind of crazy. That's fair. <laughs> it's fair in the sense that, but on Sundays, <laughs> but yeah. also, um, just no one knows and no one feels good. It's not a good feeling right now. And, and from what I understand, even maybe trading back and finding that replacement for Stafford later in the uh, later in the first round, if, if you can double up on first rounders, who knows? I think right now, personally, I'm Team Simmons. I think if you if you Patricia oh, wants wow. to build blocks, I think that this is a better opportunity. I I, I don't want to I don't want to be in a position where we are knee jerking to replace. You know, a, 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 a tarnished defensive backfield, but still, I think that what you can do with Simmons is just far beyond what you can do uh, anywhere else with any uh, other defensive player in this draft. And you have to be able to take a player like that. You will regret it if you don't take a player like that. But you're also going to regret it but not taking a guy like Jeffrey Akuda when, you know— all of a sudden you're giving up nine catches for 145 yards and two scores to that number one receiver on the opposing team every week. That's true. My thing is, could a Coda Coda play uh, man coverage every... Absolutely. Ohio State's predominantly a man team. In fact... They've they've struggled when asked to play in in a zone. That was one of the big knocks on Denzel Ward a couple of years ago coming out of Ohio State is when he was asked to play up on the line, he was great. When he was asked to drop back in his own, uh, maybe he got benched for some better players. Right, but man coverage for as long as, as they're going to be asked to play man coverage was why we thought Slay. I mean, he did take a step back and play, don't get me wrong, but it was heightened by the fact that he had to more times than not be in man coverage for four more oh, yeah. seconds. So I just I think that if, if we want to be more safe than sorry, and I do think there's a, such a high ceiling um, for, for Okoto, but um, I just don't. I want Simmons because we can do more. It will help us in ways that – you will you will regret not having that piece to the puzzle. You really will. I really think so. Are you at all worried about Isaiah Simmons for as fascinating a prospect as he is, as high upside a prospect as he is? Do you worry that he's kind of a uh, a jack of all trades, master of none? Were I, one, I believe he's more of that than um, dominant at multiple positions. I'll give you that. Um, but the worry for that is actually decreased because that's what a this a team like the Lions need a defense like the Lions need like mm. you we need a consistent reliable player 
um, the the name that comes to my head, and they're not similar. I'm not comparing them in, in play, but DeAndre Levy, uh, we had, was just mm-hmm. the linebacker that you knew what you were going to get out of him in Detroit year after year after year, and that helped um, put together other pieces. And we just don't have that guy right now. And I think Simmons could develop into that guy pretty quickly, especially learning from uh, who do we do? Jeez, oh, I forget the Patriot that we just signed. Who was Jamie uh, Collins? Jamie Collins, who's the half version of Jamie Collins at this point, but. Um, yeah, he could learn from him. So I, that's that's where I'm at with it. He's not going to be the best player on our de- in our on our defense uh, in maybe five years possibly, but he's going to be. If you on take our him three, he better years. be. Or should he just be one of the best players for the next five to eight years? Uh, I don't know. If if I'm taking a guy three, a defensive player three, he better damn well not be you know an All Pro candidate, best player on my defense, lead the defense kind of player. Okay, no, I'll get for the price tag, yes, but then, then, then that also puts a lot more pressure on the defensive back position. Where, where would you be playing him? I'm interested in this because obviously you guys took uh, Gerard Davis from Florida a couple years ago. You and you've you brought in some players since then, and I, you've got the um, Jelani Tavai, who I also like, yes, yes. as well. Uh, you know, you signed Jamie Collins, so are you pushing Davis out of the middle where he plays best, or are we are we throwing Isaiah Simmons into sort of in that strong side linebacker position, which is also interesting because, you know, Jamie Collins is good in coverage. So are you playing a lot of base? Are you playing a lot of base defense with three linebackers on the field? No, I think we find a, a rotation where we're, we're moving. I don't think Collins is going to play as many downs. I don't think we're going to see the best of Collins. I think uh, oh, no, he's, he's, there. Not, he's not in New England, so it won't be the best Ex- of Collins. <laughs> of course not. But also, yeah, it, it, to, to that point, not necessarily mine, but that's true, is that you know, it, it's going to take it's going to take a, a rotation um, and that that rotation that he'll be in with Simmons. I wouldn't move Davis. That rotation that he'd be in with Simmons was going to make Simmons appear more dynamic, um, stay on the outside, cover, get downhill in, in rushing and also be able to, in those coverage opportunities, you know, be able to spy um, and take care of some of these running quarterbacks that are developing in the league. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk. And, and you know, it's it's the week of the NFL draft. So. You can't listen to anything that comes out, but there's been some talk that Simmons could potentially slide on draft day. It's going to be interesting because here, you know, you're saying let's take him at three and just put an end to that right away. Right, and and and, and I don't know if he's not interviewing well. Um, something that I think um, some I would be surprised of. by that. I would be yeah. surprised by that. Simmons is a high character guy. Right, right, high confidence guy too, and and that's kind of yeah, I don't know if, if that rubs people the wrong way, but. Um, I don't think he's slipping. You like you said, you can't. You can't. Everything's a grain of salt. Even the fact that we would trade out, uh, and I'm I'm considering it just to think about the scenario. Um, but I think that we we settle in. I, I actually, you know, I'm a Simmons guy, but I actually think we take a Kodu and uh, we, it, it, you know, he plays a good career for us, and it's fine. So that's that's me deep sighing and then coming mm-hmm. to a realization and being okay with it. Yeah, no, there's no scenario where you should be disappointed by drafting Jeffrey Akuda. This is an absolute superstar potential kind of player. But I don't know. In in my head, I think the most likely scenario is a trade down for the Lions, maybe to five, because the way drafts play out, our quarterbacks go high. So I think somebody's going to trade up to that that three spot um, to get probably to get Tua, but who the hell knows? Maybe Justin Herbert. And you can slide back to five or six, still probably get 
Akuda or Simmons, as well as adding, I'm not sure what the value is, a three this year, a three next year, maybe maybe a two, but you still get your guy, pay him less, and uh, and have an additional pick. I just I have a hard time believing somebody's not going to trade up in the top three, and I don't think it's going to be in the top two. Yeah, I'm just nervous. I'm nervous about movement in this time when no one sure. got to assess uh, in person. That's the one thing that keeps me um, away from the trades and stuff, or, or or at least going reaching up for guys is that no one no one got to do their final their final <laughs> rounds, especially with mm-hmm. these quarterbacks. That's totally fair. Uh, I want to hit on a couple of other things that have come out this week. Makai Becton had a flagged sample uh, in his drug test, and Zach Bond had a diluted sample at the combine. You know, with the the changes in the CBA this year, where basically it's impossible to get suspended for marijuana now, uh, do you think this hurts these guys at all? No, I think in the long run, not. I'm sorry, in the short run. Uh, it wasn't hurting guys except for the fact that it's like, look, you're going to get suspended if you can't play. We yeah. can't pay you. It doesn't help us. But I don't think as far as characterization, that has started to decrease much over time. So I don't think I don't think this will have much impact, if any, at all. Well, I mean, the flip side to that is look at Laramie Tunsil a couple of years ago. That that picture comes out of him smoking out of the uh, out of the face mask, the gas mask. And uh, that dropped him. That dropped him fairly significantly on draft day, but it was a different era. I do just wonder, you know, obviously it's not going to be an availability issue and they're not going to get suspended for it, but does it speak to a, uh, I don't know, I want to phrase this as tactfully as possible (laughs) as to to not uh, be too aggressive here, but a common sense issue. Like this whole lead up to the draft is a job interview and this job pays a lot of money. And you're doing dumb shit like this. No, I think I think I think the counter. You're correct. I think the counter to that, especially for someone else, and they must not be getting advised. These type of guys or going against uh, what they've been advised. What advice like, do you need? Don't don't do drugs before a job interview. Well, they're like uh, I mean, it's it's legal in most places. It's not yeah. you know you you got you you have a slip in judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're going through the process, I think in that that reasoning and that rationale, I think is so top of mind for a young person that, you know, I, I, it, you're not checking all you're not checking all the boxes and dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's by doing that going into an interview. But I can see how that can be a thing that slips a young person's mind with Beckton, I think it's even more interesting because he's kind of locked into this group of four offensive tackles that can go in any order given teams' needs. And to to make an error in judgment like that and potentially risk pushing yourself to the back of the list is going to cost you a lot of money at the end of the day. So I don't know. I, I would worry about it. I would worry about a lot of things when it comes to Mekhi Becton. You know, there are, people say the comps that get thrown out for him are the guys like Jonathan Ogden and Brian mm-hmm. McKinney, some, mm-hmm. some of the greatest players in, in the sports history. But his floor is so low. He's the classic low floor, high ceiling player. He could be out of the NFL in two years, or he could be the best left tackle in the NFL in two years. Right. And I do not like those guys. Uh, it, it gets yeah. very scary. Uh, and I'm with you there. I, I, one, it always scares me even to see the high praise, like uh, the, the Ogden's, the, um, geez, I okay. forgot, uh, uh, from, from the Rams. It was so good for, so, uh, pay, Orlando, the paces. Yeah. Yeah, Orlando Pace. That scares me because it, it makes me realize how like how 
we forget how dominant these guys were in college mm-hmm. uh, and, and you just can't drop those names. So it makes me, you know, are we talking about a guy that's big and strong sometimes and, and showing athleticism because I'm, we're not seeing that consistency. So it makes me scared. And, and Becton was like, as soon as you said that it rings true for me and I'm not high on him anyways. No, he is so incredibly talented, but there are so many issues that need to be worked out right now. Gave up, uh, gave up pressure on way too many of his past snaps last season, I would be concerned about, you know, rookie left rookie tackles in general don't tend to be plus players. A guy like Becton has the potential to be a fairly significant negative throughout that first year until he gets a feel for how to play in the National Football League, gets a gets a taste of the speed of the league and adjusts. And that's if he adjusts in the first play, and, you know, at, at all. Exactly. So, and it, it really makes me think. Um, what is it? What is it that is is not clicking? Uh, whenever it's those high potential guys, yeah. uh, especially especially at that position. I mean, as as good of as college football is and can be, you know what I mean. Like you, when you're that good, you in that in that dom- you should be you should be dominating. Um, mm. If you're at the, at that position, you week in week out, you know, snap in snap out. So it makes me concerned about what's not clicking with guys like that. Well, I don't remember if it was uh, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter, but one of them tweeted out this week that they'd spoken to a general manager and that GM believes that the media in general as is as wrong as we've ever been in terms of player rankings and mock drafts and stuff like that, leading wow. to the likelihood of a potentially crazy draft day. And the thing that came to my mind immediately, Mario Hines, was could the Lions take a quarterback at number three? Oh, it's the thing that I've been I've been keeping myself from saying because it sounds nuts. It mm. sounds crazy. But if the time you were going to replace, you know, if you don't think you're going to just absolutely tank next year, the time to find out the, the predecessor uh, successor for um, for Stafford is now. And so if you don't want to pass up on Russell Wilson 2.0 then you don't do it and you take your you, you have the opportunity you're in a, a great opportunity i mean cap aside and money aside to ha- not have to play him early on uh so i think that's the one thing that i still won't say out of my mouth right now chris you won't get me to say it mm-hmm. but i have thought about it thoroughly i'll tell you what i i like tua in that lions offense i i hate yeah. justin herbert in that lions offense uh which pretty much guarantees the pick's gonna be herbert but I <laughs> really like Tua with Kenny Galladay and uh, on Johnson and all of those young t- – and, and TJ Hawkinson, a guy who I think would be a great fit. Yeah, no, great name, great name. I think so too, man. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't start. To, How would I can't you feel? Start to, yeah, I can't start to romance about this, man. This is, no, I, I'm settled in the, the direction that we probably sh- will go, and not. I can't. Nope. Nope. Okay, so. All right, so you are firmly on board of taking a defensive player, ideally Isaiah Simmons. How would you feel if, when that pick is announced, it is announced to a tongue of Iloa? I'm going nuts, man. I, I'm going to go against the grain. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in the greater Detroit area, you hmm. know, collectively. But me, I'm going to be excited because I don't think I don't think. Tua can fail as as bad as a bust, and that feels great. But I think he can be, you know, the 
the the person that turns an organization's way of being, especially offensively, which is work ethic, accuracy, being able to place balls, win games you shouldn't win early on. That type mm-hmm. of stuff is contagious. You're getting me too excited. We're not going to get them. I can't even think this way. Jeez. Well, the the one thing I would say is that the one knock, the one the one argument against the can't fail kind of uh, skill set of Tua Tagovailoa is is that injury history is a scary one. Right, and if and if anywhere, if anywhere that injury history would be activated by you know shortcomings or by placing shortcomings around him to make sure mm. he's safe, or some stupid freak thing that probably happens <laughs> not even on the field, yeah. it would be uh, it would be the Lions. Yeah, no, he, he tears his ACL on the way up to the podium for uh, the post draft interview, <laughs> and he, he announces his retirement right there <laughs> before the uh, before the Giants even pick at four. That's, <laughs> That's so scary. Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing is uh, these defensive tackles have been creeping up draft boards, mm. namely Derek Brown from Auburn and Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. How would you feel if the pick at three is Derek Brown? I was going to say if it's one of the two, it better be Brown. Uh, I really like what he's doing. I like one, I like the growth he's shown um, in his college career. Uh, I always tend to like those type of players uh, coming out of school. They're more consistent uh, in their first year. They may not blow out, but they're more consistent their first year. I would like I would like to have that again. If we're talking about pieces of a defense that protect you long term, and you can add to and, and, and mask a lot of uh, a lot of holes, it's it's a mm-hmm. defensive line, defensive tackle, and a guy like Brown can do that. I'd be excited. Do you worry about a guy who has another? top two-round draft pick playing right next to him, though? Because that was the case with Marlon Davidson and, and Derek Brown. No, I mean, once once you get to a certain level, you've got you've got to get going. Um, and I think he's shown on film that he's, as much as it does help, like let, let's, not, let's not make any mistakes about it, but he's done his job and, and then some. He's shown on film why he's evaluated that way. Plus, the guys, the kids... For, for all I've known and heard is a great kid mm. um, and, and, and it would be a pleasure to have in the defense and won't hopefully won't rub a guy like Patricia the wrong way good fit and able to get the job done yeah shockingly went back to school after that junior year okay so what we've established you would be happy with Tua happy with Simmons perfectly fine with Akuda, perfectly fine with Derek Brown who is the name or who are the names that the, the commissioner can announce at number three that would disappoint you? I mean, we can't do Herbert. I can't see anything like that. I think I would mm. kind of be disappointed in a trade out. That's not a name, but kind of be disappointed there because how, how far would you have to trade back to be disappointed? Um, if we're, if we're, if we're out of the top 15, I'd be pretty upset. Okay. But yeah. five or six, you'd still be okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think we will still be, like you said, get our, get our guy, get one of those people that you named. Um, let's see. Who else don't I want? Do you think there's any chance at all they take an offensive tackle? I was going to say Beckton, but I just don't, I think it's, I would be upset because I just don't think they're, they're in play at three um, for us just yet. So, yeah. All right. So it's basically boom or Justin Herbert. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode of the underdog NFL show. We'll be back next week before the draft. 
It's going to be very important. We're going to get it done before the draft. <laughs> we'll do. Uh, we'll talk about what we think is going to happen in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, and uh, we will see you then. For Mario Hines, I'm Chris Forwardell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.